Hi, everyone. Welcome to Oscar Poker. This is Sasha Stone of AwardsDaily.com. In Lakewood, Ohio, you should say. In Lakewood, Ohio, I should say. And, and this is Jeffrey Wells of Hollywood Elsewhere, speaking from the library in Wilton, Connecticut, yes. which is a short train ride down to the Hubba Hubba of New York City. Hubba Hubba. So um, this is going to be a partially um, paywalled podcast. So at some point, it, the rest of it will go behind the paywall. And if you want to hear the rest of it, you could become a paying subscriber, which would help keep Hollywood elsewhere afloat. All proceeds go 100% to Jeff and to keeping his site afloat. Okay. Well, thanks. Right. Thank you, everybody listening. What's the street like where you where they live? Are you staying with your sister and, and, and uh, her boyfriend? No, I rented an Airbnb here in Lakewood. Okay. Uh, yeah. And, and can you describe where Lakewood is located? Lake, Lakewood, okay. Lakewood is a suburb of Cleveland. Okay. So like if you are, you know, if you're a very wealthy person who lived in Cleveland back in the day when Cleveland was a thriving um, city, which it no longer is because of the high crime uh, manufacturing, you know, as with other states in the country, the... There's a reason why this is a, becoming more and more a red state because these big cities, these formerly great cities, have been gutted, right? Gutted, manufacturing moved overseas. Yes. And um, they're ghost towns. Right. And so, Cleveland. What about the? Uh, and you're saying basically it's high crime. So it's a. Uh, what's mm. the ethnicity factor? I don't know, but all I know is that when I when my daughter was moving here, I was so worried because mm -hmm. Cleveland was coming up as the highest crime, one of the highest crime cities in the country. Okay. And her friend said it was mostly concentrated in one area, but I don't buy that. I think crime spreads. And um, so, you know, I'll, I'll be spending every day for the next rest of my life worried. But she has, her boyfriend has a huge family here in Cleveland and um, or the surrounding areas, and they've been here for years, so... Uh-huh. It works for them, so... Also in the suburbs, right? Not in Cleveland itself, right? Right. In okay. the suburbs. The suburbs are very different from Cleveland proper. Uh -huh. um, Cleveland's a big city, but what's sad about it is that it used to be such a uh, thriving, you know, metropolis. It's just not anymore. But it, they're trying to build it back. When did it become, uh, when did it start to go downhill? I mean, Detroit, for instance, went, started to go downhill in the 70s, 80s, yeah. certainly by the 90s. I'm not when really did, uh, sure of Cleveland's history, but I do know that my daughter said when she goes down there, it's completely emptied out. And she did a search uh, on Google to try to find out why. And mm -hmm. I think it's because of the crime, but she she says it's because COVID emptied out all the businesses and shuttered the businesses and things like that. So I, I have no idea if that's true. Um, but well, what, but there's no COVID to speak of except for the paranoid. So what's, I don't get it. Well, it's just people never came back. They never came back. The city never came back. I don't know if that's true or not. I, I do know that it's pretty shocking statistic if you're one of the top crimes states, mm -hmm. I mean cities, if you are listed literally like one or two. Like it's, I mean, it's that bad. So I don't know why the crime is so high here. Uh, I have no idea, honestly. It's it's mostly nonviolent crime, but there's a lot of it. And there's a lot of poverty. <laughs> what does that mean? That's well, funny. it means, you know, theft robbery uh okay so how about um 
about the kind of crime that uh, everybody likes to watch on YouTube, the uh, store lootings, you know, 12, I think, 15 I think that's, some people. of that's here. Oh, and, and my daughter also said that the summer of 2020, the riots were so bad that they consumed Cleveland and scared people away. The okay. riots in 2020. Um, I don't think that Ohio is quite as bad in that <laughs> regard as like, the reason they do that in California and New York and stuff is because they know that the, the government will do nothing about it. There's no, in, in California, because we have, it's such a blue state, you know, like mm -hmm, the, mm -hmm. they won't prosecute any of these criminals. It's considered, if it's, if it's up to a thousand dollars, they just, they're, they're allowed to just get away with it. But the mass store lootings, the organized store lootings of say 15 or 20 people in the nice uh, pricey places, they're taking a lot more than a grand. I mean, they're getting uh, a lot, it seems yeah. to me. I have no idea. It's very surreal, isn't it? It's like two Americas. It's like on the one side, you're seeing all these videos and you know this is happening. And then in the mainstream, they barely talk about it. They barely talk about it on NBC Nightly News or CNN or uh, New York Times or anything like that. You probably wouldn't even know it exists if we didn't have social media to show us that it exists. You yeah, know? yeah. So uh, yeah. It, it, unless it becomes a big story, nobody's going to do anything about it. But I'll tell you this, if the Democrats lose in 2024, maybe people will start to listen. Mm, yeah. Okay, the ethnic, ethnic uh, makeup of Cleveland is 38% white, 47% uh, black or African-American, uh, and the others are negligible. There's 2.5% uh, Asian and there's all kinds of different uh, makeups after that, but yeah. basically that's it. All right. Well, I didn't know that. Um. Anyway, and, uh, you know, all you have to do is like look very quickly. I mean, uh, that, well, that's I didn't the, really uh, care. I mean, I just wanted to know what the crime statistics were. I just wanted to know if it was a safe city. I don't want anything bad to happen to my daughter. That's all I care about. <laughs> I would so, not feel good about that either. Mm, I really wouldn't. But she's far. She's in Lakewood, so she's not in Cleveland. She just goes there occasionally. But I'm still. What worried. about the Rock and Roll Museum? How's that doing? I have no idea. I mean, I haven't gone actually. That's one of the things that I when I think of Cleveland, I think of you know, Rock and Roll City. I mean that that, yeah. that museum and and the Paul Schrader film with uh, who was in that Joan Jett and uh, remember that film. Sort of set in, set in Cleveland. Yeah. Anyway. Um, in other words, you don't remember it. No, no clue. <laughs> okay. I can't remember the title, so I'm no, I'm not in any better position. But uh, the idea of Paul Schrader making a movie about Joan Jett was that the that wasn't the one with Kristen Stewart, was it? Uh, I don't remember what he did with Kristen Stewart. Sorry. I don't either, except that I know he had a, like an obsession with her. I don't know okay. if, it, if, okay. if it's because he worked with her or not. He's a weird dude. Um, anyway, so my daughter lives in the suburbs, and, and the suburbs... It was, called, it was called Light of Day. It was out in 87, which is uh, pretty, oh, Michael pretty J. long Fox. time ago. It was with Michael J. That's, Fox. Uh, yeah, 36 years ago. Yeah, that and wasn't that was, about Joan Jett. That was about... Yes, it was. She was the co-star. I mean, it's not a documentary about her herself, but she was the co-star. Light of Day was with Michael J. Fox, right? Correct. Yeah. And Joan Jett. Oh, all right. Oh, Joan Jett, not J Joan Jett. J E T T. Yeah, yes. she. It wasn't about Joan Jett. She was actually in it. In it, correct. Okay, right, right. There's two yeah. different things there. And also Gina Rollins. 
Yeah, I don't. I remember Light of Day because I used to hang out with a guy who was friends with Michael J. Fox back in the old days, and they were in a band together. And I remember when. Okay. Uh, this was like uh, he's like an up and coming rock and roll guy. Um. Anyway, so that's what's happening here in Cleveland area, but it's really called Lakewood, and this suburbs is very. You know what it looks like? I walk around here with my dogs. It looks like you know the neighborhoods and ordinary people. Those mm-hmm. big houses. That's what it looks like. These huge, beautiful houses, and you look at them and you think, that is representative of what America used to be. America used to be pride in its manufacturing, pride in its architecture, Mm -hmm. pride in its cars and its appliances that it made. It was America tough, you know, it was built. Anyway, you see these houses and they're not the same. You know, they're all different, they're all beautiful, they're all one person's American dream. And then, and this is true in the rich areas and it's true in the not rich areas. All the houses, they don't look the same. And then you know what happened in America. Everything became homogenized. Fast food became homogenized. Architecture became homogenized. Cars became homogenized. Movies became homogenized. And um, it's a drag. I like the unique spirit of old America. So I kind of like walking around this town, this Lakewood area. It's beautiful. Would you say that the wealthy homes, the, I, I, you're saying the home, the town in general is, is well-to-do, it's, it's affluent? It's Lakewood is. Lakewood, where I am, I'm in the nicest part of Lakewood, according to Emma, and there's this, there's this road called, um, I'll send you some pictures that I took. It's called Lake Drive, and it goes right by Lake Erie. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's, so it's, it's if you're a well-to-do person in, let I me mean, think, go all the way back to like the 50s and the 60s, the Mad Men era. Okay. And think of the ad exec and his family and he'd drive home to the suburbs. That's what it's like. And so, you know, if he makes a lot of money, he's going to live in some giant house. And they're all these, gi- and this would be considered like the Beverly Hills of Lakewood. It's not Beverly Hills. It's not like that rich. But it's it's you know it's it's of a class of people that you would expect from like the executive class in the 1960s, yeah. In Cleveland, when Cleveland was still a thriving city, when it wasn't, you know, uh, what it is now. But um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's what it is. It's echoes of the past. Well, do you recall the uh, big uh, hullabaloo over uh, Jan Winter having uh, given a. Uh, saying saying some very disparaging things about uh, women rockers musicians not having the uh, whatever you, how you put it uh, not having the intellectual clarity the force the the power of the rock and roll males that he preferred and put in his you know his top ten list and people said what the hell is that what are you talking about women musicians like that for? yeah and he got bumped out of the rock and roll of Hall of Fame Museum, which is located in Cleveland, it's a it's a it's a, it's a uh, culturally, it probably means as much as anything else in that poor city, and it's right there. I mean, you're you're a you're a music person. You didn't want to go or take a look at it, maybe peek at it for an hour or so. Uh, I would do it if I were there. Yeah, you would. I know. I I'm not. A, I mean, I would if I go to Cleveland, but it's pretty far away. I'm not gonna take out my precious time to go to that when I every single day here has been packed with activities you know okay. we don't have tourism. Oh, by the way I, I see that uh, Lakewood you didn't say it's 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 to the west of Cleveland and it's right on the water right on the water well I just so, said Lake Street is by Lake Erie they walk yeah. by well 
I <clears throat> I was uh, saying that uh, Lakewood, which is, uh, by the way, has a Carlisle, a hotel in mm. it called the Carlisle of Lakewood. Oh, nice. I'm telling you about things where you are. <laughs> well, I don't, I mean, I, you know, I'm spending time here walking around the neighborhoods. I'm not like, Emma okay. and I haven't done the thing where we tour Lakewood yet. I'm mainly here to see her, you know, and yeah, I'll be coming course. back here many times. I might even right. move here at least part time. If she You're decides, about that, huh? well, if she decides to get married and have kids and stay here, yeah, you bet. I'll get a little apartment. That's the thing about Lakewood, and and mm-hmm. this is this is what I heard. I forget who told me, but yeah, there's a thing called it's not white flight, but it's a lot of people moving out of the big cities and repopulating the Midwest because everything's so cheap. Like millennials and Gen Z are coming out to mm-hmm. this to this area and to other areas in Ohio and Wisconsin and and like Iowa and North because everybody can work online and have businesses online so they can live everywhere. So if you want to get a farmhouse, you know, you can buy a nice one mm-hmm. out here, you know? And so at little by little, these areas are going to start to get re- gentrified to get okay. repopulated. And um, so I think that's kind of cool, actually. I like, I'm looking forward to seeing them, them be revived again because you don't really have to live in the city if your city is online. You know what I mean? I think it's actually kind of cool on a certain level because it used to matter, I think, a lot, uh, a, a great deal. Uh, <clears throat> if you were going to be in our racket, you had to really live where the screenings are. and You had to live in Los Angeles or New York or, you know, Chicago or something. You had to be have access to screenings and screenings are are obviously wonderful. And it's the way to see movies. Definitely. But it's not that big of a deal to watch them online. You can watch them online. If you're evaluating like we are, like I just got screeners for Wonka and for Oppenheimer and for all these movies are just sending out screeners willy nilly. You mean digital screeners? Digital digital screeners. Yeah. Until very recently, that used to mean DVDs or Blu-rays in the mail. Well, I'll tell you this. Um. Right. We're in the living through a major, obviously, needless to say, there's no point in, in you know, continuing to bang the drum, but mm-hmm. we're obviously living through a sea change. Oppenheimer seemed to be a one-off. Look at the box office this weekend. Everything, everything crashed. Even Napoleon, which is doing better than people thought it would, isn't doing that great. Um, but the movies are bombing at the box office, and at some point, that's just going to be gone, right? And it's all going to be streaming and online and digital are you, are, you, are you talking about the holdovers because i was reading bills abiri uh, bilga abiri who was saying that he, he believes his his sense of the numbers is that the holdovers has actually done pretty well um uh, given that it's a no star you know um basically a dialogue piece that mm. that that your daughter's generation and Jet and Dylan regard as nothing to go see in a theater. They, when they hear what it is, they say, "Okay, I'll wait for streaming." It's just one of those movies. They won't. They won't pay for it. Is your phone uh, ringing, Jeff? I presume you were referring to the holdovers as being one of those films that isn't doing too well because they did, as you know, uh, relatively recently announced that even though they only went wide in theaters as of November tenth which isn't that obviously not a long couple of weeks ago, they did, they have announced that they're going to go to streaming as of 1128. In other words, this month, 
And it just seemed like after all that buildup and hearing about how, what a great film it is and waiting and all the expectations and then it, you know, we see it in Telluride and everybody has a great time with it. And, you know, we were delighted with it. And everybody who has any appreciation for for what a, what constitutes a good, involving, character-rich film that you actually, you know, want to watch because mm. it's in, in, engrossing. Uh, everybody feels that way, and yet they're dumping it. They're dumping it on the streaming, which means, of course, more people will be able to see it. But it just seems kind of a kind of a grim scenario. I don't think Bill Go- uh, Berry's uh, impression is that they were making a mistake. They should have hung in there and waited at least until. Well, the the, the, you know. the holdovers is a Christmas movie, so it seems to me that they should have given it a Christmas platform instead of a Thanksgiving, because people would want it. People want at the movies. When I used to know these mothers at my daughter's school, they they would only go to a movie once a year, and it would always be at Christmas time. Um, once a year. Yeah, that was back in two thousand nine. That's how bad it was back then. And these are like sophisticated people. One of them was an NPR reporter. Uh-huh. So movies just weren't a part of their lives back then, and I was shocked by that because they'd never even heard of The Hurt Locker, for instance, in 2009. I was I was shocked by that, too. They were all feminists, very educated women. None of them even heard. That's how tiny and insular our world has become in the Oscars. I remember uh, asking some waitresses at um, um, Extra Virgin, on West Fourth Street, and I figure, okay, these these women, because I had met Kathy Bigelow for for a sit down there, and uh, after she left, I explained who she was. You guys have seen the Hurt Locker, right? Nothing. They yeah. didn't even know what I was talking about. Just nothing. I mean, these are women who are you know, working at a pretty cool restaurant. They have a certain amount of aggression and ambition in their life, uh, living in and probably living in Manhattan. And they didn't even know what I was talking about. They completely drew a blank. And but the NPR, where there's no excuse for that at all. Come on. All of them. They didn't just didn't go to the movies anymore. And that was way before everything. But it was the directed by a woman of of, of who's they been around. They didn't care. And, you know, they, I was shocked myself. And uh-huh. that was the, my first inkling that that there was something very wrong with our business, and that something was going very wrong. And I noticed it. I wrote about it. I talked about it. And I just watched it over the last mm-hmm. 10 years become something totally niche, like the Tonys. You know yeah. how like nobody cares about the Tonys except the people who care about the Tonys and it's a very small group of people that even have seen the plays? That's what the Oscars are like now. I was always worried that it would get there, although I should say that this year at least we have Barbie and we have Oppenheimer and they, those both of those movies broke the mold both of those movies were event movies that people felt like they had to come out to see good for them and that's rare that's extremely rare um Mm -hmm. for it to happen and and unfortunately right after that the writers and actors went on strike and it ground everything back down to a halt yeah for an already struggling industry that's barely clinging to life Right. So that's what you're seeing now is a really difficult, very slow-moving car trying to get out of a muddy ditch. Mm. And um, if I were the Oscars, I would throw everything at Oppenheimer and Barbie. Um, even if you don't think that they're the best movies of the year, there's 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 absolutely not the best films of the year. Not absolutely not. But well, by your standard, if one of them wins, it's fine because at least it represents vitality, people going out to theaters. Uh, you know, Barbie wasn't just a movie that people liked. It was a some kind, some kind of, you know, tembler. It was an earthquake. It really 
was big. Yeah, and, and, and my, um, yeah, it was absolutely, it was big in the way that some things sometimes get big now, which is they go viral on TikTok, like the Johnny Depp trial. Yep. And things people can't really explain because you kind of have to be on TikTok to feel it, to feel mm -hmm. the wave go through so many people at once. But it is the fastest and best way to share this. And, and for Hollywood should really be paying attention to that because it's still the best way to get people excited about something. And if it turns into some kind of a thing on TikTok, which this did, everybody wanted to go see Barbenheimer. They wanted to see both movies. They wanted to take pictures of themselves dressed up in those outfits and put them online and celebrate this. It was a cultural event, both of those movies. It was really kind of cool to watch all of that, honestly, because uh -huh. I thought that was dead. You know, it was like my childhood in the 70s was Star Wars and Jaws, and uh -huh. that's what we did back then. These were event movies. But now to see it with that, I mean, I, I think it's cool. I think it's... Um, I also will say, and, and God, this is going to be... It's going to get me in trouble, but I've already said it before, so why not? There's something traditional about both of these films in that they are traditional protagonists a, you know a, a blonde very feminine blonde and a and a kind of 1950s sort of masculine male hero in a way that people haven't seen in a long time because they hollywood has basically destroyed itself with its woke shit right and so well, they, who, wait a minute who's the hero you're referring to the male oppenheimer hero? oh i thought you were talking about ken for a second okay no 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 god all right okay no, but, but the fact that Ryan Gosling is a big male star and he looks, you know, most people who went to see Barbie liked the Ken storyline better. Mm. But I'm just saying, like, there's something about the two of them in those photos together that brought back old Hollywood, a view of old Hollywood, you know, the movie stars, the, you know, I'm not saying like they would say, oh, white actors. I don't really mean that, although we can go there if you want. We can say that most of the time people respond to what they see on screen because it reminds them of themselves uh -huh. and in, in an american majority where there's mostly white people that's what they're going to respond to stories about people that look like themselves and now of course it's not fair to make it all like that everybody you know there should be representation of course uh -huh. um it's not fair to always you know have the white people be the main characters as they always are um but when you're talking about the free market, you're not talking about fairness. You can't. The free market is pure evolution, survival of the fittest. What's going to sell the most? Uh -huh. If that's what you're talking about and you're talking about, if you're talking about streaming, it doesn't matter. You can do whatever you want yeah. because nobody cares. Nobody's watching. Nobody cares. <laughs> Watch whatever you want. Nobody's going to punish you. But if you're talking about box office and you're putting out movies that you want to be fair, and, uh, and you want to override the market, well, then you're going to have bombs on your hands, you know? Right. Why did, can I ask you, why is it, where did you get the idea that from people who saw and liked Barbie, uh, why did they like uh, Ryan Gosling's character more, more so, in your opinion, than, than Barbie herself? Because I think, and I wrote about this again, um, the women are expected to be, you know, perfect and empowered and actualized. And for instance, I was talking to you about Mean Girls before. Mean Girls was mm -hmm. a film about social hierarchy where the pretty girls were at the top. Um, but, and at the end she shares her crown with like the overweight girl and the girl in the wheelchair and all that. And it feels really good to see them be honored. 
But the woke thing takes all of that and it just says, okay, we're changing the rules. There is no such thing as a hierarchy. Barbie's just stereotypical Barbie. Barbie doesn't even belong in Barbie world anymore because Barbie world is intersectional. And you have to have a president and a doctor. And, you know, everybody has to be happy and smiling all the time. And that's actually what I like about the movie is that she escapes Barbie world at the end. I think that's really great. Um, but the Kens, yeah. by contrast, because they're men and a lot of them are white, not all of them, some of them are white, they're allowed, but even the ones who aren't white are allowed to be flawed and imperfect and made the fool. And, you know, that's the difference. That's why they're interesting because they feel more real and funny than the women who don't. The women feel like your typical emperor's new clothes crap that we get from Hollywood, you know. Um, the uh, the Ken the Kens and all all of them they're all kind of one personality are <clears throat> indisputably uh, presented as fools as little little boys you know not very uh, self aware and kind of strutting around and pushing their chests out and wanting to you know yeah but you can make fun of them do you think you can make fun of the fat Barbie no of course not okay do you think you can make fun of the trans Barbie no variations of Barbie can be made fun exactly. of. Exactly. There you go. Out. That's the difference. You can make fun of and laugh along with the Kens, and that's why people like them more. Okay. Because people like to laugh, and they like to feel yep. that it's okay to make fun of somebody, and it's okay to laugh at them, you know. Yeah. Now, they didn't make fun of the Kens in terms of their skin color or anything like that, but just the fact that they were, you know, allowed. They were Everything was a joke on men in that movie. Yeah, everything. You know? Yeah. And at first, it bo it bugged me. I thought, this is annoying. But as I watched it with repeat viewings, I got into it because I thought it was funny and it was nice to laugh at something. Mm -hmm. And you don't get a chance to laugh. You don't really laugh with the female Barbies. Right. Because they're not funny. Mm. Well, they're going to... Um, if someone were to say to me, listen, um, as a general movement, a social change in our, in our culture, if... Um, Basically, they they won't, of course. But if say there's some sort of law passed that we don't want to elect guys anymore, we'd like to have yeah. only women be in the government and Senate, the House of Representatives, the White House. I would instantly, without second a second's hesitation, say, "Fine, let's do that. Let's do that," <laughs> because at least the kind of assholes that we're so sick of in in government would be, you know not a factor now would there be some horrific women legislators that would come out of that uh, situation almost certainly uh but i would really like to give that a shot and that's kind of what barbie's more or less saying i don't think so barbie's saying exactly the opposite barbie's saying this is bullshit because no, it's, barbie... not. it's obviously the the women are the are the smartest are the wisest they're certainly the more grounded they're the least it's, it's all fake jeff it's fake that's not real it's no, it's fake empowerment. Real. That's why it's, uh, it, was, it came out that. It no, it's, it's fake. It's fake empowerment. It's, it's all a lie. Fake. Bullshit. The, the people who say, oh, we should have women rule the world. That's people who see women as some sort of homogenized virginal martyrs. Women aren't like that. Women are bitches, first of all. Women make mistakes. Tragic, horrific. Look at Hillary Clinton. Everybody makes mistakes. It's, it's just built into the human condition. I'm just saying I would love to try it. I really would. I don't. I don't want to try it. I think it's crazy, and I think it would, you know, 
it's a stupid idea because you can't generalize women and you can't generalize men like that. You just can't. Let the best person win. Let the best person lead. Forget what gender they are. Just don't define them that way. I hate that. Like somebody said on Twitter, why didn't Zone of Interest win the Palm d'Or? And I wanted to say, well, because they had to give it to a woman. So no, thank you. Mm -hmm. I don't want mm -hmm. that to be our reality. That's what Barbie was. I'm just saying as an experiment, it would be fascinating. It wouldn't be. It would be a total and complete failure of society. It would be the fall of Rome. It would be stupid. It would take away everything that this country stands for. Many women uh, who are smart and know what's what uh, would love to see a matriarchal. Well, uh, let's then, then go ahead, fall. honeys, and get yourself elected. Let's do that. Let's get yourself elected. Be great. Get out there and be great. But you're never going to be great if people keep lying to you and telling you you're already great just because you're a female or because you're a black female, or because you're a trans female. Yeah. They lie to them, and they pretend that they're better than they are. That means they can never succeed, really, in life. Well, surely you, you I don't have to debate with you about the fact that, that young men, particularly, and even middle-aged men, uh, they do feel very profoundly diminished in today's society. Younger guys in particular, they don't, I mean, they're really, it's really kind of sad. And I'm sorry that this is happening, and it shouldn't be, but I, but they seem to be, women do much better in colleges. They're getting the better degrees. They're, they're, they're more focused in terms of their careers. They're not sitting at home playing video games. You know, they're, they're just... Yeah, but they're also... So they're also... Yes, that's true. And I, I know, because I worked in an elementary school, I know that they give women more. But women were also told to be victims. And, and heading into 2018, everybody was a victim of predatory men, a victim of sexism, a victim of size objectivity, a victim of sexual objectification. They're not strong. They're not leaders. They want to paint themselves as victims, and they're afraid if one man looks at them or touches their arm or asks them to buy a drink. Give me a break. Everybody, every guy is a rapist, you know, and it, it's weird and creepy and we should get over it and women are never going to be thought of as being valuable. The most power a woman has is in being a mother. That's the power that women have in our society. That's the best thing that they can do for humanity, for society, um, is be a good mom, is be there for your babies, raise your babies, raise them right, teach them to be good citizens of the world, teach your daughters to be good mothers, teach your sons to be good fathers, you know, and you have the anchor of society and then you've got a successful society. If you don't, yeah. if, you, if you teach them to seek only their happiness and their high self-esteem, well, sooner or later you're gonna get to, I'm anxiety ridden, I need drugs, I'm not happy, I'm unfulfilled, I have, you know, and everything's about everything that's wrong because you can never attain that abstract idea of empowerment and happiness and blah, blah, blah. All of that is found in a purpose, a sense of purpose. Now you might not be a mother, you might be Mother Teresa, and you might spend your time doing something to better the world. It's mm -hmm. not about you. It can't be about you. If it's about you, then you're a failure, right? And, and you're yeah. never gonna get anywhere in life. You, you're, it has to be about the work that you do, and the best work that women do is being mothers. And I'm sorry if they feel trapped by that, and they wanna like chop off their breasts or whatever, and be, like mm. men, then, you know, go ahead, do it, you know, serve yourself and see where well, that that's gets what's at. happening right now, as you as you well know. I mean, that's what's going on. Uh, the, you're, you really do sound very traditionalist. And I, I certainly don't find any fault in that. But to say that uh, to invest in 
in maternal instinct and to be good mothers and to point their children in the right direction and not to be crazy uh, because of their own egoistic uh, obsessions. Uh, that sounds completely fine to me, but it's not what's happening right now. No, it's, of course not, because no. we're, we're everybody's we live in a narcissistic society. But I am not saying that men should go out and, and serve themselves and stick the women at home with the kids. The men should be good fathers, too. Of course. Because you should always be thinking as a member of the human species what the next generation is going to be. It's not about you, really. Right. It is to a degree, but it's only about... And I'm not even saying make the world a better place. But I am saying if you're talking about leadership, if you're talking about being a president, well, if you are... If you're only wanting to do it because you want a woman to be in charge, like Hillary, and it, it's not about actually doing the work, um, you just want to be that person. Um, you know, when I was in high school, a writing teacher of mine said to me, um, he was an asshole, but he said, um, I was an idiot in high school, complete and total idiot. I hadn't even read a book, mm -hmm. but um, I was just flitting around like a crazy person. Uh, you know flying high on charisma and you know sexuality or whatever and I wasn't a grounded thinking person at all but he said to me I was in AP English which I probably got a C or a D in or something like that um, and he said uh, you know Sasha you don't want to write you want to be a writer you want to be a writer mm -hmm. and you don't want to write meaning you don't want to sit down and do the work you don't want to you know lose and, and be told your shit and keep coming back with a new script and a better script or you know better book or whatever it is mm -hmm. you just want people to think you're a writer and that's what he said to me and it stuck with me my whole life and like probably a month doesn't go by that that thought that's why i write every single day thousands and thousands and thousands of words because mm. <laughs> i'm writing i'm not wanting to be a writer um and i think mm. that's the case with leadership with women um, if you have nothing else in your life, then aim from being a good mom, because that is a worthy and and something to be proud of. You know, uh -huh. you raised a good kid. That for me, that's it. You know that nothing else. Will, if if I failed my kids, my kid, I have one kid. Nothing else would have mattered to me. Uh, nothing. Mm. That's just how I see it personally, and it doesn't mean that I'm like a traditionalist or, or a, a Christian in that way. I just see it. I see priorities and values as being different than most people. I, I, because I lived the feminist lie. I chased happiness. I chased personal satisfaction for decades. And I know where I ended up doing all that. So well, where you ended up was being a brilliant columnist and a good business person. You didn't, you didn't fail, obviously chasing that well right. I don't know I don't know how I would see that but I I do know that I, I think it would have been better if I had grown up think because you know my mom had four kids before the age of 25 mm -hmm. and she was a beautiful woman with a lot of promise in life mm -hmm. um, she was in beauty pageant contests and she dropped out of high school to have my brother and then she met my dad and she had three more kids she literally said she had more kids because she would get more welfare money <laughs> and she didn't know she didn't want kids that's funny and so she had to put aside her own life as a young woman she didn't want to be a mom she wanted to be out there exploring and living and expanding her life and mm -hmm. she saw us as burdens 
and she would tell us all the time that we ruined her life. And she would say... In so many words, really? No, yeah, no, not in so many words, directly. And, wow. you know, you guys ruined my life. She would say to us, if she was <laughs> mad at us, wow. you know, I could have been this, I could have been that. And um, I'm, I, I don't hold it against her now because I, I can't imagine what it would have been like for me to live that way and to not have support of a husband or anything. And she, she didn't. She did it all on her own. Um, but I, you she know, never she never had a long term boyfriend who she could trust and depend upon somebody who was good. Well, good no, person. not really. No, but um, okay. she just I'm just saying that that my mom, you know, didn't value children and would tell me all the time, like, if you get pregnant, have an abortion. Kids will tie you down. Kids will ruin your life. Do not have children until you're old enough to take care of them and to be, you know, you're ready to put your own life aside. Sure. And I believed her. 